0: Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at CrossoverNorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Paul is in prison. All right. Paul's in prison, and he's not just in prison, but he's in prison prison. Like he is shackled up. He is chained to a guard 24-7. Like there is no indoor Heat or AC, all right. There's not indoor plumbing, so they got a pee bucket. Anybody, anybody's like, that's just that's just gross. They all pee in the same bucket. Yep, they have all pee in the same bucket. All right. Like all the extremes. Like you couldn't just imagine. Like his life. Just imagine the boredom. Just imagine the constant boredom. You're sitting in the same spot. You're chained to a guard. You literally have have nothing to do in this place. But yet you see Paul who could be begging God to bring greater circumstances to him. You see his holiness and the fact that he is still reaching out. He is still praying. He is still loving on people even when he is literally on hell. He's in hell on earth. I mean, literally. And you just see his faithfulness. He's encouraging now in Second Timothy. is where we're going to be. He's inter- encouraging. Timothy, who is his disciple, who has done ministry with him, who has has done life with him, who has walked with him and talked with him, got to know him, got to know how to do ministry because of Paul. And Paul is seeing Timothy now and he's trying to encourage him. And this is what's crazy, is that in this letter you can tell that Paul is understanding that his time on earth is coming to an end. He understands it. His spirit is starting to prepare him for his, his exit out of this world. Little did he know exactly how quickly it would come. Because uh, to most historians, this letter was written early parts of 64 AD. And just a few months later that summer in 64 AD is when Paul was martyred for his faith. Paul knew that Timothy was going through something. And he wanted to encourage him. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. Paul, who, who has written a majority chunk of the Bible, who, who literally is considered one of the, the greatest Christians to ever live, he knows that this could very well be the last letter he could ever have written on this earth. And he spends his time encouraging Timothy. So just think, all the years of experience, all the years of ministry, all the walking and talking and, and praying with Jesus and, and doing life for Jesus and all this is, is being written into this last letter. He is pouring his, his heart and soul into this letter. So just know the magnitude of what is going on in 2 Timothy as we start reading, because I want you to think about that. He loves Timothy so much that he wants to encourage him tonight. This is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. This is Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, and grace and mercy and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as I did my ancestors With a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first. Where is it at? There it is. In your grandmother, Lois. And your mother, Eunice. And now, I'm sure it dwells in you as well. For this reason, though. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as a prisoner, but share in the suffering. For the gospel, by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and his grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus, who abolished life and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed. I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Also, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know who I believed, And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound's word that you've heard from me. In faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, this is what I want you to do, Timothy. This is what this whole thing is about. This is how I want to encourage you, is guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Anyone in here ever feel like just giving up on something? Let's, 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 let's go context here. Anybody wanna give up on a class right now, anyone? Anybody already early withdrawal, got your money back, all right? Okay, Uh, Hebrew 4 was that for me, all right, I'm just going to be honest, all right, seminary Hebrew 4, about halfway in I was like, dude, I'm outie, like, all right, three Hebrews is enough for me, all right, but... But I was just ready to dip out. Uh, I was ready to give up. How about, how about some of this? I feel like I've talked to hundreds of college students who literally have had this same conversation with me. Man, there's, there was a moment in my life where I just really wanted to maybe just quit for a year and go travel Europe. Anybody? All right? Like, I just want to go backpack through Europe. Like, really, like, get in tune with Jesus. Right? Anybody been there? All right? I wonder... How many of us can relate to Timothy right now? Like, Timothy is at a point where he is, he is ready to give up. He's not only ready to give up as in a sense of, like, just quit Christianity. I think he's ready to give up and fade into the backdrop. Anybody with me? Like, he's tired of being maybe the leader or maybe the person that's stepping out on faith or maybe the one person that's different in, 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 the, in the atmosphere, because it says here that, that he has gotten so tired and so frustrated that the last time that he even communicated with Paul, he was in tears, like a full grown man has gotten to a position in his life where he was just in tears, laying it down. And it even says in 1 Timothy that, that there was a sickness that was happening with him and he couldn't shake it. And, and Paul was trying to give him some just words of wisdom on, on, maybe, on maybe some healing things that he could do in order to settle his stomach. But you see in both letters, there's a consistency here is that Paul is trying to encourage him. He's trying to give him one thing, a little word called hope. Listen, students, I wrestled with this passage. I, want, I, I really do want to stay in 2 Timothy for a while. I believe that there's a lot of, of good, a good meat here that is very good for uh, the, the atmosphere that we are in in our own life. And God just kept on saying, like, like Brent, just give them a little hope tonight. Like, like, like just give them some, some hope tonight because here's the reality of things. In this, in the scenario that you were in, like, like the shake and bake, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, like, like in the arena that you're in, in the, in the, in the context of your life, it is way easier right now to quit or not take the first step of faith than it is to jump Headstrong in right now. I'm serious. Like It, it, would, it would be easier right now. now. Now later on I think it's going to be more difficult because that's when shame, that's when the Holy Spirit's convicting you. But I think right now it might be easier for you to take a step back if you've really never fully, just fully devoted everything to Jesus. I can see that Timothy is at his place where he starts to justify maybe why he can step away. Hey Paul listen I I think I can step away because man the culture right now like the culture right now like 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 there are more non believers than there are believers and man like I'm getting I'm getting persecuted right now Paul like like I'm getting beaten I'm getting spit on I'm getting mocked at like like this is getting hard to be a Christian in this environment it's hard it's I'm struggling and you know what listen like I thought I had some friends. It actually the last part of this chapter one, and it illustrates that there are some friends that that man and Paul like like I thought these were my friends that were walking with me. Listen to here, freshmen, sophomores. You'll start seeing this. You have friends that are proclaiming Jesus, and then what happens? The world sets in, and they turn away from their faith, or maybe their faith is exposed and they start looking like a world. Anybody have some friends like that? They said, man, I'm a solid believer. And then give them a couple semesters of college and you're like, man, where is, where's your salvation at? Like your life looks nothing like Jesus. And when this happens and when these friends turn away and, and, and Timothy's taking a step back, he's saying, listen, this is when things are getting hard and depression is starting to kick in and anxiety is hard and Timothy is is really being timid on what the next step is. It's like, Paul, it's really hard for me to take the next step when the last three steps have been so hard. And I think that Timothy is literally at rock bottom right now. And then we see Paul come and just lay this holy smack down on him. He says, you know, I want to give you a little hope right now. I'm going to wrap all this first text into one one something for you, Timothy. I want you to do this. I want you to guard the deposit entrusted to you. I want you to guard the deposit entrusted to you. You want to take that next next step, Timothy? Do you want to stay the course? Do you want to continue in the calling that Jesus has on your life? Then you need to guard the deposit entrusted to you. To you. Now listen, who's telling them this? This is Paul, who has been beaten. He has been mocked, he has been shamed, he has been imprisoned, he has been stoned, he's fell out of a two-story building, he has been shipwrecked, he's lost everything, he has lost his wealth, he has lost his social status, he's lost his health, he also had a problem that he could not fix. He had a past that wasn't about shameful, that wasn't about little shameful things. He had a past that, where he killed Christians and allowed Christians to be killed in his presence like he had every excuse to be, to justify not taking the next step from ministry position after ministry position. But he's saying, listen, no, 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 Timothy. Hear it from my mouth. Jesus wants you to take the next step. He wants you to have this hope. He wants you to have this joy and this peace. But you have to do something. You have to guard the deposit entrusted to you. Now what is this deposit? Paul says it here. He says, it started with your grandma. And then it went to your mother. And now it's in you. Now listen, hello ladies. All right, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't just a man's world, hey, amen. Come on girls, all right. Your faith can be generational faith. How awesome is that? Like the faith that you're building now, the faith that you're growing in now, like don't take light of it. You can impact 100 generations from now. Like your faith Matters You can pour into your family just as us men can pour into our families as well. He was saying, he was saying something. What is it that your, your grandmother and your mother poured into you? It was a deposit of faith. And what's this faith in? The faith was in the gospel. So if you look at that, he says, guard the gospel that is within you. Now, for those of you who don't know the gospel, I'm gonna give you the, the, the quick synopsis of the gospel. Is that is that we are all sinners and we're all in need of a savior, and there's a separation between us and God. And the only way for us to be right with God is to trust that He sent His Son to die in our place, and to die for all of our sins, and to die for all of our shame. And if we put our life and our trust in Him, that He came and died and that He rose on the third day to conquer all sin and shame, then we will have a right standing with God. And that that moment, He takes us from going to an eternity in hell and places us at the right hand of God for all of eternity with Him. To have a life not only here on earth, but to have a life in heaven forever with Him. That is the gospel. That is what this whole world is about the whole world is about the gospel what's your whole life about it should be about the gospel what does everything matter what does everything move why does everything orbit it's because of the gospel it's because of jesus everything is about jesus but how do you do this how do, you, how do you guard it? Is it like you coddle it like a little baby? Do you hold in nature, uh, like nurture the, the gospel? Hey, little gospel, right? Hey, little guy. Like you're supposed to nurture it and take care of it. And like, I was like, like, how do I guard the gospel? Like, you know, I'm looking at this and I was like, well, let's take it back to the original text. If you look at the Greek context for the word guard, it means this. It means to observe and to follow. And when you start seeing the meaning about guarding the gospel, you start seeing it's not about protecting the gospel within you, it's observing and following and watching the gospel work through you. The gospel isn't something that you can control, but it is something that can control you, amen? Now, y'all are allowed to preach back at me a little bit, all right? Are we, are we ashamed of that? Can y'all, are we afraid to say amen? Let's try it one time. Ready? Amen. All right, love it. (sighs) Makes me feel special. And when you're guarding the gospel in your life, it's less about what you do for it, and it's more about what it does through you. And this is where Paul wants Timothy to find his footing. He wants him to find his footing in the fact that he's allowing the gospel to flow in him and through him, and for him, and, and just doing a magnificent work. But there are a couple things that Paul highlights that Timothy has done that are not guarding the gospel in his life. That he has taken his eyes away from the gospel and he has turned it to two specific things that has taken his focus off of the gospel and have put him on things that are not of, not of gospel. Character. one of the things that he says that we read here in, in uh, chapter 1 is that he says, do not be ashamed of the gospel. He's let shame enter his atmosphere. He's taken his eyes off of the awe of the gospel and he's put it onto shame. And Paul says, don't be ashamed of what the Lord has done. Don't ever be ashamed of what Jesus has done on this world. Don't be ashamed of him coming and dying and and rising again. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Also, don't be ashamed of me. I'm in prison for a good reason because I believed in Jesus. I walked with Jesus. I've talked with Jesus. I've let Jesus be able to be with me and do ministry with me. And like I've done great things because Jesus has worked in me. Like, don't be ashamed of this. This is a good thing. But what does he say to do? He says, instead, share in the suffering for the gospel by what? The power of God. What Paul is trying to tell Timothy here is that where there is shame, there isn't the power of God. But where there is suffering and where there is surrender, To Jesus, there is the power of God. If you have shame in the gospel, if you would rather hide the gospel in your your life, if you'd rather not talk about the gospel, not, not, not let your life flourish in the gospel, not watch the gospel do amazing things in and through your life, and go and change other people's lives because of the gospel, listen, students, then you will never have God's power in your life. What does that mean, students? It means this, is that many of you, I know right now you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Many of you right now are struggling. You're down, you're depressed, you're downtrodden, you're lowly. You don't know what's going on. You're walking down with your heads held down. You're working from class to class. You're you're walking from weekend to weekend. You're you're surviving, you're not thriving, and you don't know why. You don't know why you're not just more. Like, why isn't this a better experience? And here's why God gives us power for his service but He doesn't give power to us in our shame. And if you are more shameful of Jesus and shameful of the Gospel, and you're not letting the Gospel do an inner work in you and do an outer work in you as well, then the power of God won't be in you. If you'd rather do life your own way, then you will be powerless from God because God cannot give you power where there is shame. And when we we choose to do our life in shame, we choose to do life without his power. But what does he say we're supposed to do? He says that we're supposed to share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So you have two choices in your life right now. Let's make it simple. you got a fork in a row. You can either choose, choose shame and not get the power of God. You're not going to get the power of God to encourage you. You're not going to get the power of God to strengthen you, to give you hope, to give you peace, to give you joy. Or you got the path of surrender and you're choosing to suffer for the Gospel's sake. And listen, when you suffer for the Gospel, God's power will, will transform you. And how many authors and how many characters in the Bible will proclaim For all of eternity, how the power of God got them through so many situations that they cannot even... Imagine how his love was always a delight, how his strength is greater than anything that they have ever felt, how his joy is inexpressible, how his his mercies were new every morning, and they were sweeter than honey. when we choose to suffer for the gospel, we choose to make the gospel the top priority in our life, and all that we do and all that we are doing is because we want people to know about the gospel of jesus christ now now here 's my I'm trying to contextualize this the best I can to us. My question is, is how are we really suffering? Like, like can we even put ourselves in the shoes of Timothy? Can we even really understand does it really like to really fall on our face and choose Jesus and, and walk with Jesus? Can we even put ourselves in the true context? Like, what is suffering to us? Like, are we going to lose our life because we go and tell people about Jesus? No, probably not. Are you going to get beaten because you try to align your life with the Bible and walk like the Bible and talk like the Bible and be able to pray scripture over people and to be able to be the person of God that you want to be? Probably not. Will you lose some ride or die, friends, if you start being the person of God that you need to be? Yeah. Yeah, you probably will. Yeah, that, that is a form of suffering. I, I believe that. I believe that's a, some form of pain. But are they going to string you up on the south oval saying, like, look at that horrible Christian? No, probably not. It sounds like to me, let's, I'm just a college minister. What do I know, right? Sounds like to me, if you want to get the power of God in your life, and you want to walk in that just foundation of Jesus, and you want to walk in His power and experience Him in ways that you can never imagine, it sounds like to me that suffering sounds a lot sweeter than shame. Like, how many of us are shameful for some of the things that we've chosen in the past, even though we knew Jesus wanted better for us? Like, I feel like some of the most... Horrible things in my life are some of the things I'm most shameful for. And I'm like, man, I knew better, right? Like, I wanted Jesus. Because in all honesty, I truly know a lot of you, and I know that deep down you would rather suffer for the gospel because you're tired of living in shame of it. Like, I know it. I know many of you right now. Like, you're tired of walking in shame. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're sick and tired of being powerless. You want to feel something. You want to do something. You want God to work in you. I'm telling you right now, don't choose shame anymore. Choose Jesus, amen? God doesn't give power to shame. He gives power to surrender. Paul says some, says something else about not guarding the gospel in your life, and he says it in the earlier parts of the verse when he says, "For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control." I love just thinking about this illustration that Paul is giving us fanning into flame. I just think about the nice little campfire, right? You start getting a little what's it, kindling. A little kindling, get a little fire on there. I, it probably takes me about 45 times to actually get a fire, right? Come on, put on there You start blowing, right? And you start putting a little more on there and you're just, you're getting it all together. And then finally you got this big, beautiful, like warm fire that you melt your socks on every so often. Anybody been there? All right. And it's just this big, beautiful fire. I love the illustration that he says that you're supposed to fan into flames the gift of God. I think Paul is really trying to show Timothy something that he might have not even thought about before. Simply with this saying is that the only way for you to fan the flame of the gift of God in your life is only when you understand that you have a spirit that is not of fear, but it is a spirit of power and love and self-control. And when you can operate in the power that God gave you, then you can fan into flames the gift of God. So I think that we can look at this in in one way, that you can either live a life fanning or fearing. You can either live a life fanning or fearing. You can't fan if you are in fear. And listen, you can't fear if you are fanning, amen? You can't live a life if you are, if, you can't fan if you live in fear and you can't fear if you fan. To, God, to guard the deposit entrusted you, you can't operate in a place of fear because where there is fear, you don't have faith. And I want you to look at your own life right now, students. And like I want you, I don't, I don't want you to think about your friends, I don't want you to think about anything outside of this room. I want you to look at your own life right now. It's like what are you fearing? Like 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 what fear is controlling you? I think Paul is saying the same thing. What fear is controlling you Timothy? Like 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 why can't you fan into flame the gift that God has given you? Like what is your fear right now? I can't tell you how many people is just it's people pleasing. Like 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 you just have this constant fear of always being liked. Maybe it's loneliness. Some of y'all can't even be alone for five minutes, right? Like loneliness, or maybe the threat of loneliness. Maybe some of you are afraid of death. Maybe some of you might be afraid, man, there is persecution if I do take this next step of faith. I don't know what your fear is. All I know is where you have fear, you do not have faith. Now, when you fear, and I just want you to kind of think about this illustration. When you're fearing in this life, what I I believe that you're doing is you're starting to take logs out of your fire. God, I just don't trust you with my future. And you're just going to put this log over here and and you can't fan that in the flame and see God work. God, I I just don't trust you to protect me. And you start pulling that log out and like, man, you're just like, man, God, I'm not even going to trust you with this. God, I know that if I take this next step and walk in you, I'm not going to trust you to bring the right friends to me, and you're you're going to take that log out. God, you know what? I'm, I'm fearful about about the husband or the wife that I need you to bring and you're gonna pull that life out. You're God, I, I'm just afraid that you're not going to forgive my past. Like like like, I just can't trust you with that. Like it's just log after log after log, and just. Literally, you've gotten to the point in your life, students, that the only log that you have in your fire right now is that God is going to save you for all of eternity. That's the only thing that is burning in your fire right now. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying that's a good start. Like, that's a good start. Let's focus there for just a second, Timothy. You have... A God who loves you so much that He's cared for you so much that He's provided a way to have a relationship with you for all of eternity. That God who holds the universe in His hand. That God who cares about everything that you do. That God who knows everything that you're going to do. That God who knows everything about the universe. He loves you so much. That God. The God that sent His Son to be the gospel to save you from all of your sin. And because of that, you can trust him. If you can trust him with your eternity, you can trust him with your temporary. If you have a future, put it in there. Start, start giving Jesus the trust. God, I know that you desire a great and tra- and, and and great life for me. You got great plans for me, Lord. I want to trust your plan. I want to trust your process. And I want you to start fanning into the flame. That gift that God has given you. I want you, right, God. I know right now, like I'm lonely. I'm sick and tired of being lonely, Lord. I need friendships, and you start putting that loneliness log back in there. You start fanning the flames, like God. I know you're going to provide, God. I know you're going to bring me friends. God, I know that you're going to put the right friend group around me. Lord, I need some protection. Lord, I'm going to put that log in there. I want to see you protect me. I want you to see you guide me and help me. And Lord, I I just trust my mental health with you. You got to put that log in there. Lord, I just need you to trust. I just need to trust you. And Lord, I, I just want to take this away from me. I want to be able to cast all my cares upon you and let you be God in my life. Start fanning those flames. And then listen, something crazy is going to happen is that you're going to start operating from a place of of faith and you're not going to operate from a place of fear anymore. Fear is not going to control you because you have given everything to God. And then when this happens, you can navigate in a place of freedom and how God can use you and you can be the person that you need to be students, I just ask, what are you fearing? How are you not trusting the deposit or guarding the deposit that God has given you? Listen, students, as we close up here. First off, if you don't need know Jesus, I would ask you to, to get to know him tonight. It's the greatest decision of your life, and it's a, it's a forever decision. But secondly, for many of us, I believe that we are sick and tired of being sick and tired. I think we are, we are wondering why we don't have more in this life. We're wondering why we don't have joy in this life. And, and I just ask you tonight, maybe tonight, you come talk to the prayer team and just say, listen, I want to give some shame away tonight. And I want to turn from shame. And I want to start living for the gospel and let the gospel live through me. Maybe some of us right now, like we're not operating in power, but we're operating in fear and we're stuck in our fear. Maybe you need to start throwing some logs in your fire of Jesus, I'm going to give you this, and Jesus, I'm going to give you this. Now listen, when you give Jesus something, there's no invisible strings uh, attaching you to that, so you don't need to pull it back out of the fire. But I do, I encourage you this, is that when you start walking with Jesus and you trust Jesus, I'm telling you, you can then start saying I've witnessed it. How awesome was that new song? Like I've seen this, and God, I've witnessed it. God, I've been a part of it. How many of us can have a testimony? I gave it to Jesus, and Jesus made a miracle happen in my life. Don't we want a testimony like that crossover? Don't want we want be able to proclaim Jesus in that way?